This is Mouth Media Network. Welcome to the All Possibilities Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Chan, intuitive life purpose coach and founder of Being My Purpose. I had a successful career, an Ivy League education, and led a very rational life. Several years ago, I had a spiritual awakening, developed psychic gifts, and decided to dedicate my life to pursue my purpose and empower others. I'm hungry to learn even more about the incredible potential of the human mind and spirit. On this podcast, I talk to entrepreneurs, executives, scientists, and leaders to hear their stories of transformation, the science behind them, and what it means for you to unlock your potential in your life and career. Together, let's embark on a discovery of all possibilities. Welcome to All Possibilities. I am here with a very special guest. This is Dr. Stephen Hirom, who is a master facilitator of a technique called higher brain living. So Dr. Steve, I'll call you that. Is that okay? Yes, please. Great. Um, so I met Dr. Steve, I feel like it was sometime last year. And someone had invited me to one of your introduction sessions for higher brain living. That's right. And when I first met you, I was, you know, I was open-minded. I was looking. I'm always for um, learning new techniques. I call it kind of building my inner empowerment toolkit. And what I remembered most was hearing that you had a background in elementary particle physics. Mm -hmm. In fact, you have a PhD in it. Yes. And and that you were essentially what I consider spiritual healing in what you were facilitating. So um, I ended up being a client of yours, and I want to talk more about um, what happens in higher brain living and some of my experiences. But before we go into that, I'd like to first start off by having you explain what is higher brain living, how did it come about, and how did you discover it? Okay, great. So hello, everybody. It's great to be on your show. Thank you for inviting me to do this. Uh, it's an honor to be here with you, um, and it's also an honor to uh, serve you as my client. I really appreciate that. And what higher brain living is, is a technique for awakening the dormant potential in the higher brain. And once that dormant potential is awakened, giving people a way to then harness that new empowerment state, that new flow state, thrive state with the goals, their mission, their purpose for being on the planet. And so clients go through a 22 step program for not only creating a new hardware system, upgrading their brain, but then getting a whole new software system, if you will, for creating the life that they want for living with more purpose and passion than they ever thought was even possible. And then how I came to it was I was in the process. There's a longer story than this, but I was, a, I was looking for a way to get out of my corporate job and to do more transformational work. I'd been seeking transformation for myself. I started to go back to school to get a master's degree and possibly another PhD in psychology when I discovered higher brain living. So I know that Dr. Michael Cotton is the kind of uh, originator of the technique. And I went, or I had gone to a talk that he did and you were there, obviously. And so can you share with the audience how, how he came upon it and what his story was yeah. and um, the science behind it. Sure. So Dr. Michael Cotton is um, a friend of mine now and my mentor, and I'm part of his elite team of trainers, and we work very closely together. So I've had the opportunity to really get to know him very well. And his story is very fascinating, and he tells this all the time. So I don't have any qualms about sharing with you that he was a college dropout. He went to college because that's what he thought he should do. He, his first semester, first year in college, he had a zero 
0.56 GPA. He was academically ineligible. He got asked to leave. Um, and so he started a series of minimum wage jobs with no purpose, no meaning, hang out with his friends, drinking beer um, in Oklahoma. And he found himself one day in a uh, steel and aluminum fabrication plant all just covered in grease. And as he tells the story, he had an awakening experience in that moment. Something had been bubbling up in him. And that day, something flipped. And he knew that he had a much bigger purpose, a much bigger mission. And he just got on fire with trying to understand what happened to him. And he just launched himself into a study of ancient mystical techniques. Um, he wanted, he had a great experience with a chiropractor. So he decided he wanted to be a chiropractor. He had zero ability to get into a chiropractic college because he was just thrown out of, you know, a four-year college. So he went back to school, took 30 hours, which is double the load that anyone can take. He aced all his classes, was on the national Dean's list. Um, and then enrolled in a chiropractic school, went through a four, four year doctoral program in three years. And that just launched him into a whole search and journey for, you know, what happened to him and how can, why did it happen to him? What is it about him that made it special if it was special at all? And how do you produce these kind of awakening in people? And the biggest discovery was that the missing link in all the wisdom traditions of the past, you could say of the East, and all the medical wisdom of the West, what was missing, the missing link between those two worlds was the brain. And that any kind of transformation in either world has a correlate in the brain, and in particular, the higher brain. And when you awaken the dormant potential in that part of the brain, the prefrontal cortex, you get access to states that aren't normally access, accessible to you because the primary way to process the world for human beings at this stage in our evolution is through the lower brain, which is the old primal reptilian brain and the mammalian brain or emotional brain, which is hijacking all of our potential, putting us into fight or flight giving us the feeling of stress, anxiety, and worry, and taking away our ability to have those spiritual experiences, if you will, or states of flow, states of finding your purpose, of, of intuition, and being guided by what people call their heart or their intuition, a knowing without knowing how you know, or what we call trans-rational ways of knowing. And so he put together the system that is now called higher brain living for awakening the dormant potential in your brain, using the ancient pathways that have been known forever, uh, for very, for millennia, the pathways in the body, it's been called chi, ki, kundalini for using that energy to harness it, to send it to the brain. And then, like I mentioned, um, being able to, to study this scientifically, to really understand what's happening at a very uh, core level, actually measuring the activity in the brain and knowing that these contacts are indeed awakening the prefrontal cortex. So again, a system for merging East and West for scientifically understanding how we can uh, produce spiritual awakening people and to have them live their purpose in life, what we call their fearless authentic self or have their soul essence come through them and be manifested through action into the world. Beautiful. Yeah. So what really impressed me about the higher brain living technique, and I think this is also the same for transcendental meditation, which is something that I also practice, is that there are so many studies um, that very reputable academic institutions have put their name on. And as someone who is very rational and had no idea about all this intuitive ability or psychic ability until fairly recently, having that body of knowledge um, and really credibility or stamp um, 
motivated me to to try it out, which is bizarre for me because I was at that time I was already so spiritual and already so in tune with my psychic self that my ego mind, or maybe as you call it, the lower brain was still active and saying, you know, what is this? And is it real? And is this something else um, that I can explore? So can you tell us about what kinds of um, what kinds of of studies have already existed and, and mm -hmm. what they show? Mm -hmm. Sure. The first set of studies that have been done were informal and they were done by and there may be other studies that I just don't know about, but the ones that most of us do know about and that are featured on the website, higherbrainliving.com, are done by a, a neuroscientist by the name of Dr. Penny Montgomery. She is a researcher of 40 years uh, doing biofeedback. Uh, I believe she literally wrote the book on biofeedback. And she conducted a few informal studies for us. And she found that in this informal study that what she saw are really long chains of beta waves in the brain, which according to her are some of the best kind of brain waves to have. They create more energy in the brain, uh, more clarity, less brain fog, less stress in the brain, um, and the ability to then be really focused and clear and confident about your thought processes. We also have seen alpha waves in the prefrontal cortex in these informal studies, which are a relaxed state. And so we have this really unique signature of alpha waves and beta waves in the prefrontal cortex, which I like to say is like a Zen master state in action, focused, but very calm in the way you're doing it. And so people get access to that state. Now, when she did the study, she was quoted as saying that she was completely blown away by the results. She wouldn't have believed the results if she hadn't done it herself. And that, you know, she saw the correlations in the brain of a shifting from lower brain dominance to higher brain dominance at just the right times, with the right contact. So um, she was convinced that this was part of the higher brain living process of making gentle contacts on the body in just the right way. And she's been, it's recorded on video. You can see the whole demonstration on higherbrainliving.com uh, if you look for the research portion. Now, um, the other ways that we know that we're getting the results that we're getting is just the practicum, the practical results that have been happening. Um, before it was even re released to the public, there were over 85,000 sessions conducted on thousands of clients. And so the, informally, we could track those changes. But then we decided formally to apply for a uh, research to be done about higher brain living and the changes that are made in clients' lives at the University of Iowa. And they did a preliminary study, which showed that there were significant changes in clients' lives, or at least changes that were significant enough to warrant doing a second study. And in the second study, we had larger sample sizes, enough to actually create statistically significant results that we could firmly say that in the control group, when you measure their life path or their ability to thrive, those who did not go on with higher brain living actually showed a decrease in the quality of their life. And those that chose to go through the higher brain living system showed a dramatic quick increase in states of thriving in their life. Now, I haven't looked at the studies. I just have heard this through Dr. Cotton. Just know that um, these studies exist. I've been told what the results have been. But um, generally, people aren't, they're either growing or not growing. And if they're not growing, they're actually reversing because you can't really remain neutral. And so one of our lessons that we're getting from the study is that um, as facilitators, we almost have an obligation to make sure to do our best to make sure that people are able to use this technique to get into their higher states of their brain so that they can have these thriving modes on in their life. And so I'm reinvigorated with this knowledge, knowing that Okay, I got to give everybody a chance to do this because while I'm seeing them for one 45-minute session, I got to know that this study is showing that people are coming into me 
on already a downward path. Mm -hmm. They're already heading down, even though I'm only seeing them for 45 minutes. They're, they're, path is generally headed down if they're not currently doing something, but they they're coming for something, right? So the context for me is that they're coming to take care of something. Something's happening in their life that they're dissatisfied with. And if I, if they're not going to go through this program, they might continue on that downward spiral. Not, I don't want to make it overly dramatic, but I know that We've seen in these results that statistically speaking, this is a statistically significant result that people trended downward if they didn't go through the program while they statistically significantly trended dramatically upward if they went through the program, as you could probably attest to. Mm. Yeah, and I thought that was really, really interesting. And I can see it in areas of my life where if you like if one we're on a downward trend and how I picture that is just negative thoughts. Maybe that, you know, someone feels stuck or, mm -hmm. um, they like the gap between where they are now in the present moment and where they want to be in the future mm -hmm. is so big and mm -hmm. they don't see a route to right. get there. And that kind of really, it's a helpless feeling can, you know, just generate even more negative thoughts and that can really be a spiral. So I can, yeah. I can understand that. So I want to talk about what happens during the session. So, so I know that, you know, I, I came into the, to higher brain living really as a, um, sort of the first gift to myself as self care mm. and as a, a healer, like someone who, who spends, um, a lot of time and a lot of energy in a very different way to do the types of purpose readings that I do, that it's still, um, I think this is the case for a lot of healers, but that we just don't spend the time to heal ourselves and to make sure that we as a, a vessel for the type of work that we want to do um, are in tip top shape. So that was sort of why I came in. And I remember the first session and, you know, as someone who has a very rational brain, whose the ego mind is still firing all the time. Um, I remember thinking after I saw one of the demonstrations where someone was moving in a particular way after you contacted them in the specific um, pro process that you do it, thinking, oh, I don't know if I could, you know, actually do that or, or you know, it, it's sort of like when we're meditating, like what if I'm doing it wrong or what if it's not getting this, the results that we need? And what I found was that, uh, and this may be just for me and I want to hear um, kind of given all the client experience you've had, I was just in a state where my body was just fully tingling. It was like, it almost like that, like when your arm kind of falls asleep at night and your whole body, you're just tingling and you think your arm might fall off, but this was like a good tingling. Yeah. And, and I started receiving messages and this is sort of a state that I very naturally go into but the messages and the visions were very um very clear and profound and and having that 45 minutes just lying on a massage table like just allowing the emotions to come through and for tears to fall and and afterwards I felt really good I thought that was that was a gift that I don't typically give myself for that length of time. So, so having said that, I want to, to hear from you, what are the typical, um, well, I guess first, what is happening to me when, during that whole process? Um, and like it manifests maybe as visions for me or as messages for me, but maybe for other people, it may be different. And what are the types of, what are the types of results you get for clients maybe in that particular session format? Not, not necessarily the long-term, but like in those moments, what, mm -hmm. what do you see happening? Mm -hmm. So during a session, and this is more for the audience since you know this already, Julie, I'm making gentle contacts on the body at very specific locations in the body that are, are exquisitely sensitive to touch that when contacted in just the right way with just the right pressure and the right timing sends a signal of energy through the connective tissue to the prefrontal cortex or higher brain. And when the higher brain gets the signal, 
it starts a feedback mechanism that creates more breath and energy in the body. And so we're effectively, we're waking up through blood flow, metabolism, oxygen into the prefrontal cortex, which are the higher centers of the brain. And those centers of the brain are associated with consciousness. Studies have been done at the University of Wisconsin-Madison and by many other researchers, but for example, uh, Dr. Richie Davidson at the University of Wisconsin-Madison did a study for the Dalai Lama where the Dalai Lama hand-selected several of his monks, monks that have been meditating for 30 years, six-hour-a-day practice, and they saw an increase in the amount of energy in the prefrontal cortex during their deep meditations and samadhi states. And what we see when we look at the results that we're getting is some of the same signature brain waves in our clients are, are happening, right? So we're, we see that making gentle contacts on the body turns on a specific response in the higher brain. And so what you're experiencing is your prefrontal cortex or higher brain waking up to a new state, right? And it's been said by, for example, um, Andrew Newberg, who is a researcher in meditation and the prefrontal cortex, that consciousness is a shifting of dominance from the lower brain, lower areas of the brain to the prefrontal cortex. And when the prefrontal cortex wakes up and when people have spiritual experience, they wake to a new reality that is even more real than the previous one. And so that's effectively what is happening on that table when you have the visions. And when anyone has spiritual experience, their prefrontal cortex is waking up. And so we're just using the body's energy to wake that part of the brain up. So um, we're filling in that gap between ancient mysticism, uh, meditation techniques, yogic techniques, and the, the now the new studies in, in Western science on showing what is really going on there. And we're just bridging that gap by understanding that it's all, it has a lot to do with brain physiology. So many clients report on their first session that they see inner light. That's a very common report. Um, some people not everyone has that spiritual experience. I know that I did on my very first session. I saw inner light and I was completely blown away by it. I'd seen inner light before and other meditation experiences, but this was really powerful and strong. But other clients um, do go through a process where they have to release a lot of stress in their body. And so probably in about 80 to 85% of all of my clients, even in their first session, I will see something called a salutogenic wave in their body. And it's a wave of breath and energy that moves through the body. The, the body dumps stress through motion, which is why exercise is so good for people. But if you look at the motion of when you stretch in the morning, there's a, it's a stretching of the connective tissue, which is releasing some of the stress hormones that get stuck in the connective tissue that are corrosive to connective tissue. And so when you stretch, it dumps out. When the higher brain starts to engage and wake up, it, in its wisdom, knows that that's part of a stress dumping mechanism and will engage in a rhythmic stretching pattern of the body moving. And it looks really wild, but it is based on science. So we see a, a lot of clients will want to move their body in a particular way to reduce tension in their body, reduce stress in their body. And it's almost like hitting a reset button on a computer, which clears out the channels and pathways, which are filled with these channels of microfilaments and microtubules in the, in the connective tissue. And so Stretching in that rhythmic way or the salutogenic wave clears out those pathways so that the higher brain can get even more energy up through the channels in the body to the higher brain. So the higher brain is literally waking itself up, going into a feedback mechanism of sending more energy, more oxygen, more metabolism to it. And if you step back and push back and look at it, it's really an evolutionary mechanism. The, the higher brain is a fourth evolutionary piece of our brain. Uh, highest level of wisdom, highest level of consciousness that we have. And it then is, it's also the CEO of your brain and it can basically awaken itself. Yeah. I find it really interesting how with the same technique, 
everyone's response to it may look different, but it really is dumping stress and um, having us connect with the higher parts of ourselves. So, so it's been uh, really fun to do these, and um, I look forward to seeing what comes out after you know the next few sessions. So we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to dive a little deeper into Dr. Steve's journey, kind of going from a PhD in elementary particle physics to what he's doing now. And, and we're going to talk about, since we're you know, two healers in the spiritual consciousness field, we're going to talk about what more uh, is needed in order to really raise awareness about consciousness in the world. And at the end of the show, I have a big surprise for Dr. Steve. We'll be right back. Do you have a story or a comment you'd like to share? I'd love to hear from you. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at All Possible Show. You can also connect with me directly at my own website, beingmypurpose.com. So lately, you've probably noticed that Mouth Media Network has been premiering a number of really cool new podcasts, but uh, we have a different kind of show, a really exciting new program that we're going to be premiering, and it is called 16 Weeks, and we hope that you will listen to it and subscribe. You can sign up to be notified when the show launches at 16weekspodcast.com. Take the next minute to go on a journey with us because here's a sneak peek at 16 weeks. Do you remember what we used to say about running? Oh, somebody bigger had to chase you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly, exactly. I'm BJ Smith, and that's exactly how I felt about running most of my life. That was until one fall day in 2011. I was chasing my son in the backyard when... Something had to change. This was the beginning of my journey to becoming a runner. One that would take me from couch to marathon in less than two years. Now I'm setting my sights higher. This is 16 Weeks, a new podcast from Mouth Media Network, following me on my journey to get into shape while keeping up my obligations at work and still being there for my family. And I'm not doing it alone. My name is Keith Smart. I won a silver medal in Beijing. I'm a sport and exercise psychologist at ECU. Coach athletes all over the world. and I'll talk with experts about challenges all runners face, like figuring out how to make time to run, what to eat, and how to train. You got so dehydrated. Your heart rate went up and it felt like you were working so hard. Everything's trainable, whether it's run form, strength. That's all trainable, and so is our thinking. Subscribe now to 16 Weeks on iTunes, Google Play Music, or wherever you find great podcasts. Together, we can do this. Welcome back. I'm here with Dr. Steve, who hello. is hello, who is the a master facilitator of the higher brain living technique. And so during the break, actually, we were just talking with our producer, and we realized that our producer he he was saying that he doesn't stretch in the morning. And we were talking about how you know, for example, my dog he just once the moment he wakes up he stretches. Kind of that like downward facing dog that we know in yoga. And also whenever he's stressed out, he'll just immediately shake it out to get sort of sort of what you were saying, dumping that stress from your body. So can you talk a little bit more about how um, or how that impacts us as human beings? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what we talked about during the break, it, yeah, it was really fascinating that, you know, a lot of people have the experience of when they wake up in the morning, they do a little stretch in the morning and um, when we don't stretch, it is part of our, almost like a fight or flight mechanism. Like we wake up in the morning and we got to get right to our email. We got to get right to, we got to make that coffee. We got to make that phone call right now. And it's our, our neocortex, which is out thinking our primal instincts for survival in a way. So the mammalian brain will in the moment that their stress will try and de-stress. And so, for example, mammals like your dog will, will stretch. 
But mammals like human beings, <laughs> they also have formed a, a cortex which can outthink the rest of the brain. And so the, the very brain that is built for survival is now killing us. We're, we're outthinking ourselves and we're thinking ourselves to death. And that's really fascinating. Uh, the prefrontal cortex, the higher brain, is now a re-entry back into the wisdom to incorporate all the previous stages of evolution. And this is one of the messages that we have in, in, in higher brain living is that we're not trying to undo the reptilian brain or the mammalian brain. We want to harvest and harness and use all the gifts that it has given us but we want to transcend and yet still include all the benefits and all the features of the previous stages of human development. And so the prefrontal cortex allows us to not only integrate that into our very lives, but also to integrate physiologically in our brain, integrate all those features and all those structures so that they can all be used for our highest benefit. And when we start to do that, there's going to be, another major leap in human evolution, what we're calling the sixth epoch of human evolution, uh, otherwise known as the new human stage of development, which we don't even have a name for because we're in it heading towards it uh, right now. But when we get there, we'll know it. We'll be able to look back and see like, oh, we've transcended and yet included all the other stages of development. And uh, high brain living was designed to accelerate that process. So that was a very interesting conversation with the producer. Yes. So I'd like to switch gears and talk about how you went from being an elementary particle physics PhD to what you're doing now. What was the process to, to get to that point? And what mm -hmm. were you really, um, or what was the the moment where you realized, okay, I, I this is maybe not the right path for me? Mm -hmm. Well, the story really begins when I was a kid, and I I was about eight years old, and my dad gave me my first transcendental meditation experience. Oh wow! Yeah, and he gave me the you know gave me a a, a mantra, and I engaged with it, and I just had a very profound experience, one that I had never had before at eight years old. And I knew in that moment, even that five minute meditation, that there was something beyond this physical world. And we, as a family, were also engaged in many other different kinds of practices. We learned Kriya Yoga with the Self-Realization Fellowship. Um, we were studying things like Roshacrucianism. We were studying applied kinesiology. And this is all before the age of 16. Um, I learned Reiki at about the a form of Reiki at about the age of 18 um, and practiced that for several years. I also then came to find a, a spiritual path called the science of spirituality, which brought together science and spirituality. Um, and so my journey really did begin, begin at a very young age to try and you know, I brought spirituality in my life very early age using visualization techniques to improve my life, to get the grades that I wanted, to meet the kind of people that I wanted, to be in the relationships that I wanted. I learned to manifest things into my life through visualization. And there was also a, just a big gap in my understanding of why that was even possible. When I took a physics class in high school, I realized that you could understand the world through the language of math and you could actually solve problems instead of having it be this kind of like almost pseudoscience chaotic world where, you know, you don't really quite understand what you're doing, but everyone's telling you that you can manifest stuff. And I didn't, I really wanted to understand what I'm saying in air quotes as the mind of God. How does this really work? How is everything put together? What is it that allows us to have these experiences? Because in the end, the truth has to be one. There can't be some spiritual world and some physical world, and they're completely divested from each other. There has to be a science to spirituality. So I found that, or I decided that being an experimental elementary particle physicist would allow me the, the deepest core access to both worlds at the same time. And so in my undergraduate career, I was an engineering physicist at the University of Illinois Champaign-Urbana, but I also was taking classes that were 
literally in the philosophy department and the physics department at the same time. You could have both. And so uh, I wanted to understand life at that level. Um, became, got my PhD in elementary particle physics. Then, um, so, you know, I got, I got to understand things like quantum entanglement, how, for example, that, you know, when any two things interact, they, they become entangled at the quantum level such that their interactions at great distance influence each other, even across great space and instantaneously across, you know, so there's no time in between those interactions. So I started to, and while we can't make direct correlations of how that applies to, for example, how people have conscious experiences or telepathic experiences or intuition, at least I know at some level that the quantum world is just as weird and yet true as the world that we speak of when we talk about, I had a vision about X or I felt that person's presence, or I was able to communicate with a person or we called each other at the same time, even those kind of synchronistic experiences that people have, at least I know that there is a weirdness in science that matches the weirdness of the spiritual world. And I also believe that they're bridged at some level. So, um, my journey out of physics pushed me into the corporate world where I thought that making more money would get me past some of the anxieties that I had in life. And I started realizing that I couldn't make enough money to make myself less anxious. <laughs> and so I started down a, a path of exploring more transformation for myself. And as I found more and more transformation and different techniques to help myself, and I've always been interested in self-help, um, I decided to go back to school to get a degree in psychology with the end goal being a second PhD in, in psychology. Um, but I was in a program for marriage and family therapy as it turned out. And, um, that's where I saw a talk on higher brain living. Now, what was very interesting at the time was that I was in the middle of getting separated <laughs> from the person I was married to. And I was in this program and so I did what anyone might do as they go to school part-time, they're starting to end their marriage and they're really anxious at work. I started snowboarding. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just to like, I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to do something cool. Uh, but I was a novice. I was new. And, uh, one of the times I went out, I fell and I fell so hard that I, I damaged something in me and I kept snowboarding. And at some point it just got so painful. I passed out. And I couldn't, I, I couldn't put on my shoes. I couldn't put on my socks. For three weeks, I hobbled around, um, throwing my socks on the floor, inching my toes into the socks, and then reaching down to be able to pull on a sock with a great, great pain. And just lo and behold, I heard about a talk that was about increasing the uh, potential in your, in your brain. That sounded interesting to me. I was in psychology. They were doing a talk at school. I went to it and was sitting in my chair with half of my bottom side off the chair because I couldn't sit. And people were demonstrating higher brain living. I saw this amazing response of breath and energy moving through the body. And the presenters talked about how they recovered from injury, like going through a, in a car crash, going through the window their vertebrae in their neck got crushed or in some way damaged. And they were able, they went to a chiropractor, then had a higher brain living session and then went back to the chiropractor who said, Oh, your, your neck has dramatically improved. What did you do? So I, I saw an opportunity for myself. I had a higher brain living session the next day, the breath and energy moved through my body so much so that it healed the injury in one session the stress and anxiety that I was feeling at work and in grad school for the last 20 years just magically vaporized. It poured out of my body through uh, that salutogenic wave that we talked about, that stretching technique, the automatic stretching mechanism engaged in my body so much so that it just, you know, caused all this stress to dump out of my body. There was, you know, tears. There was um, just a lot of emotions came out of me. 
And I had a spiritual experience. I started to notice that I was clear. I smiled for two days straight. I, you know, in the meetings where I used to be excruciatingly nervous at, like painfully nervous at, I began to be able to lead those meetings for two days with, with, you know, people that I used to be afraid of. I just had this invincibility about me that, and unstoppability about me that I knew that this is what I need to be doing. I completed the core curriculum in marriage and family therapy. So I have partial training as a therapist, but, uh, I decided to really dedicate myself to mastering this technique of higher brain living so that I could bring it to people. You know, when you, there, there are moments in your life when you have so much joy and so much passion and so much experience that you're like, how can I not give this to other people? And I've had so many of those experiences in my, my own higher brain living sessions, like that I, to not do what I'm doing would be like a crime to me. It would be out of integrity for me to have the kind of experience that I've had and not devote myself to making sure that I'm completely masterful at, at this technique so that I can deliver it to other people. And so that's what I've done with my life is to find that bridge between science, spirituality, personal growth, and business. That's amazing. That's <laughs> I have so many more questions to ask you. <laughs> Um, one that I have is because, because you're, you have a background in physics. Um, and I've always been curious about where physical matter and the spiritual matter, I don't know how you might describe it, connect. And one instance of that, that's been really important for it for me to really understand that connection is I had taken this class on spoon bending and the idea behind it is that we hold this metal spoon Um, we actually did a lot of education about quantum physics in the beginning and how particles um, are really it's a potential of where the particles are Um, and what we did was we set an intention to bend the spoon we still had to use our hands to do it but it, it's sort of like the moment we set that intention and really visualized energies from the earth and energy from the cosmic side kind of going into the spoon and actually parting um, parting these subatomic particles so that the, the, the spoon can be malleable at, a, at a, maybe the middle. I didn't believe it at first, and I thought I couldn't do it. And... Towards the end of the class, I was actually able to feel the moment when the spoon became malleable and then just bend it. And and my wrists are small. Like I, I barely have any, um, you know, I wouldn't say I'm like physically the strongest person in the world, but the fact that I could bend a metal spoon and and twist it in ways that really I shouldn't have blew my mind in terms of what was possible on a quantum level, on an, on a spiritual level, on really on the intentions that we set, kind of where our thoughts are. So with your background, I'm curious to know what do you make of it and how, how do you see this playing out in your life or in people's lives in general? Like what is it that we need to know so that we understand that these two really do connect and that we have, um, may, maybe we have some control over it. Maybe we don't. So, so deep. This is, I mean, that we could talk about this for another hour and yes, I have something that I do make of it now. And, and of course, nothing that I'm saying is like physically necessarily provable, but this is what I think. Um, I'm going to go way, way, way back. First of all, to the beginning of the universe. If you push that far back, and I think your audience members will be able to relate to this, just I'm going to assume that they can relate to this, but the formation of the universe itself was caused by intention. If you want to go this route, in the beginning was the word. That's what started it. And what I found is that with our, you know, using the higher brain living technique, we actually have these retreats called cosmic consciousness that have people to go, they go back. They're able to push 
back and kind of discover through what we call vision logic an experience of themselves beyond space and time. And sometimes people come back and they understand how this, how the physical universe got created in the first place. Intention was prime is primary, the desire to create. So that's one thing is that one of the things that we don't give enough attention to in our daily life is the, the fact that we have willpower, the fact that you have intention. So that's one thing on a more physical level um, that you could actually prove scientifically is that we know that there's something called the observer effect. When you observe a physical system, you change it with your attention. That is demonstrable in, for example, the famous double slit interference test. If you look at an electron as an electron, it will behave as an electron, as a particle. If you turn away from it and assume that it will behave as a wave, it will behave as a wave. Your intention of how you decide to look at it determines how it is looked at. And so that's the very tiny, you know, so I've, and this is kind of like how, what I dedicated my life to is like understanding the very tiny to understand the, the, the macroscopic, understanding the microscopic so that I can extrapolate to the, to the macro and then finding something in between like spoon bending. Your intentionality is connected to all of matter in the first place. You know, we are, again, this might be pushing the boundaries of this conversation, but we are in the image of whatever created us. We have that power of source and it's just built in us. That's why we even have the observer effect in the first place. I believe, I mean, again, you know, this is maybe beyond the scope of science itself, but, um, you know, we have to have these types of conversations and to try and bridge that gap. So that's what's happening here. We're trying to bridge that gap between science and spirituality. So your, your intention on the spoon affects it. Now, you know, at the quantum level, we know that for sure. But, you know, when it comes to more macroscopic particles like a spoon, it, the, the classical effects, if you will, start to dominate the quantum effects. And yet there's still some quantum effects happening. And I guess what I would say is that the stronger your intentionality, the more that your, the quantum effects that you naturally have will start to spread to a, a higher level of classical effects. So larger objects than electrons start to be impacted by your intention. And so um, the other thing I would point out is that when it comes to like synchronistic events, um, and th this is a really fascinating view, and I don't know how many people subscribe to this view, but it's mine that, um, you know, we talked about quantum entanglement, that any two things that ever interact with each other are just, they're entangled in a quantum level they can communicate across great distances instantaneously. Um, and there was a moment when all matter and all energy were connected. They were contacting each other in a single point. And then it exploded in what's called the Big Bang, all remaining quantum entangled. Now, some of that particle, some of that energy, some of that matter wound itself up into, uh, well, it precipitated first out of energy into building blocks of matter, quarks, leptons, electrons. They formed a complex system called uh, hydrogen atom. Or, well, first a proton formed out of quarks, and then it grabbed an electron. Now we have a helium atom, and then or a hydrogen atom, then we have a helium atom. And so as complexity, as matter and energy started to cool off, if you will, as it started to evolve, it started to form more and more complex matter. I'm going to fast forward really fast. Soon there was life. Soon there was cells, tissues, just more and more complexity. And the most complex substance in the universe that we know of is the human brain. And in the human brain, there are, there are places that are immensely complex, more connections in the human brain than there are stars in the universe. They say, I've never counted myself, but I take it at, at face value that that's true. It's very complex system in there that is connected to all other pieces of matter and energy because of quantum entanglement, because we all 
everything came from the Big Bang. It, everything started quantum entangled in the first place. And so if you really want an explanation of why synchronicity happens, of why somebody calls you when you're thinking of them, it's because the number of consciousnesses in the universe is one. And there's a physical manifestation of consciousness itself in the prefrontal cortex or higher brain. And that when you let that be your guide, you are literally in a sense, one with the universe or acting in the flow of the way the universe is going. Um, the big bang happened more and more complex matter happened. Life happened. It evolved from cells to, to, to life, to, to, to humans. Evolution has a direction. And when you're connected to that direction through your consciousness, through your higher brain, life becomes easy because you're not resisting the flow. And so that's one of the goals of higher brain living too, is get people back into the flow of their universe. What's their soul here to produce in physical space, in physical time. We have different aspects of ourselves that, you know, are beyond the physicality. We all know that we have a sense of the, most of us know that we're beyond and yet we're everything. And so, you know, some of the highest levels of consciousness have to do with being able to tap back into that consciousness and yet make it action in the physical world, moment by moment, being in the flow of evolution. And so that's the long answer to what mm. happened to your spoon bending experience. I'm, yeah. But yeah, I'm always on a quest to, to really understand how do people bend spoons? The truth has to be one. There has to be some explanation. And I'm in both worlds at the same time trying to bridge that gap. And I know we're, we're running out of time, but I actually do want to say something where this is actually letting me see what happened in that class, in the spoon bending class, because most of the time was spent in trying to distract ourselves from being attached to the fact that the spoon wasn't bending. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so the exercises were around talking to the person next to you that you mm -hmm. don't know and getting to know them. And what I found was the person next to me couldn't bend her spoon in the first class, and that's why she was back for the second class. And in her listening to my story about where I was in my career, et cetera, something sparked something in her, and she she was inspired by what I said, and so she bent her spoon. And when I saw that something I shared had an impact on someone else on a really, you know, on really positive level, I bent my spoon. And then when I shared, when this was a group setting and my husband was in, you know, the class as well, when I shared my kind of remarkable surprise that I had bent my spoon, he bent his spoon. So it was a complete interconnectedness among all of us as, as human beings. And a lot of it, I think, looking back on it was driven by this, this, I was probably connected to my higher brain at that point. I was yes. sharing in a really authentic way. We were empowering each other and, and I could feel that there was a lot of love in the room. So, so thank you for that. I now, mm -hmm. I now have full closure on, on, on what happened mm -hmm. and how it is that as humans, we are all interconnected truly on, on a deep level. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. That's, that's amazing. And we're, we're only using 5% of that potential. And so you access more of it in that moment that you had connectivity. And the number of consciousness is one. As soon as you felt that in the, in the form of what we call love or connection, then your consciousness expanded and started to tap into the actual physical structure of the spoon is what I would say. And then you can bend it. I want to try this spoon bending thing now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I've never done this totally. before. I think it's, it's life changing. Still, yeah, I bet. I bet. And of course, uh, you know, there are a lot of people been defrauded who have done this. And so I'm still a little skeptical, oh but, but I'm open, but I'm in my open. apartment. I have all these spoons. All these spoons. That are it's just, uh, it's amazing. What do you think about this? There is no spoon. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, back to the matrix. Let's bring in the matrix. <laughs> yeah. So now we have to take a break, and when we come back, Dr. Steve, I have a big surprise for you. All right. We're back right after this. If you're a business decision maker, you should listen to this. The show you're listening to is produced by Mouth Media Network, a podcasting network focused on the business of lifestyle. 
Because of our team's background and deep connections with brands, influencers, and ecosystems, we offer a tremendous opportunity to bring your company's message and products in front of decision makers from several verticals, including fashion, beauty, travel, materials and textiles, health and fitness, and lifestyle. As well, amplifying your presence at a conference or trade show can strengthen relationships and bring more value to your investment in being at those events. Reach out to the Mouth Media team now at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Let's explore how we can collaborate and make Mouth Media Network a meaningful resource to share your message and grow your business. Again, that's podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Welcome back. So, Dr. Steve, all throughout the show, I've been teasing you about this big surprise, and you have given me so much through the Higher Brain Living sessions, and I now have a surprise for you where Mm. I am giving back to you. Thank you. And I have done a mini intuitive reading for you. Oh, beautiful. I love it. Can't wait. This is going to be good. So, so what I did was I connect with something called the Akashic Records and I set the intention to receive information that is given everything that's going on in your life. What is the one thing that I can share that can Mm. help you align with who you are and to help you move forward in the way that you want to move forward? Awesome. I'm ready to receive. Okay. So, um, so just so you know, everything is written in third person. So it refers to you as he, him, Dr. Steve. And there are some words that are all caps or capitalized. And so I'll say that on air so that you know that these words in particular are just intentionally emphasized. And I'll email this to you so that you can clearly see it. Thank you. Okay. So for you, I asked, what is the highest guidance for him at this time? And it says, it is about the quality of his movements. You saw him throwing a javelin. In one image, his movements were swift, with a light, airy quality to them. There was a spring in his step. He felt light, and his arm felt light as he let the javelin go, as if guiding an extension of his own arm towards the heavens. His mind was blank and he focused on the vision of the javelin's destination, a point far from where his eyes could see. He then naturally guided all of his movements to get to that point. Where he gets tripped up is when he starts calculating his every movement. Imagine he is holding the javelin again, And he is mindful of what angle his arms are, what the force is, the velocity, and all the technical, all caps, minutia, that goes into throwing it. When that happens, he feels heavier, like he is more mechanical, and he ends up throwing it less far or high. So the action step that I received for you, and this is just something to play with, reflect on, etc., is to reflect on how he approaches the movements and notice when he may align with one or the other, meaning one where you throw the javelin in the first way and one in the second way. Keep his focus upwards towards the heavens and trust that his whole body will work like a bird as it takes off and soars. So that's the end of the mini reading. So I'd love to hear, you're welcome. I'd love to hear how this resonates with you, if at all, and what it brings up for you. So thoughts, memories, stories, Mm -hmm. feelings, ideas, whatever bubbles up, and really see this as a a starting off point for discussion. It's perfect. I love it. Um, For some reason, it reminds me of when... I play darts, <laughs> not not surprisingly. And 
there are times when I feel like mechanical and there are times when I just imagine hitting the bullseye and that's when it happens. In business, I do spend a lot of time calculating. And when I have stopped calculating and just envision where I want to be, things flow easily to me and things just start to happen, start happening like in a flow state. And then I don't have to effort that hard. I don't have to be perfect. So that what, what's really resonating in me is that like you, what was emphasized, I think was technical, the word technical. Um, I love to be able to calculate stuff because it makes me feel like there's some certainty because I, there's a part of me that dislikes uncertainty, but yet that's exactly where the vortex is, where the field is, where the, where possibilities occur in uncertainty. And so, yes, when I decide to, all right, now I'm going to calculate my movements. My arm must be at this 45 degree angle. While that's important to understand that there are mechanics, when I just focus on, again, the end goal, when I put my intention on the end goal, then it tends to make my body and my actions just align better. Instead of being efforting, it, it tends to be easy. Uh, much like a, in a GPS system, you know, you set your end destination, you put your start in, you put your end destination, it calculates for you and you get there, even though you don't know exactly how you're going to get there. You just follow the directions, follow the directions. This is what's next. This is what's next. This is what's next. And just execute as they come up. And so this feels like to me, what resonating with me is this transrational way of knowing. You just don't know how you know, but you just follow your intuition. What should I do next? And then you listen for the answer and you do that. Mm -hmm. What should I do now? Do that now. Mm -hmm. So being more in the state of flow, I think is going, and you know, so yeah, being in the state of flow is going to help me to, you know, achieve the things that I want to achieve, which is for example, causing the tipping point in consciousness of culture, humanity. That's one of the goals. That's what I'm envisioning. I'm envisioning the future for Manhattan, the, the, the future of, you know, New York states, the world, how are we going to cause this tipping point in consciousness and culture by awakening this fourth evolutionary part of our brain? So I'm just keeping my mind on that and visioning that and seeing what does it look like in the moment right now for my business and my practice of higher brain living to basically guide myself towards that end goal. Mm, beautiful. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that reading. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Yeah, it's You're really welcome. cool. It's perfect. And it, it really is a a conscious choice that we can make. And so you can use these images as tools. You can ask yourself, am I am I being the javelin javelin thrower who is doing it in this way that's so natural and and so forward looking? Or are you being the javelin thrower who's, you know, calculating everything mm -hmm. um, yeah. down to the T? And so when it becomes natural, like a bird just taking off and soaring, it's effortless for the bird. Bird's not thinking about it. Bird isn't thinking, oh, my wing's going to be here and there. Mm -hmm. So I think that's something that, that really all of us can can be more mindful of yeah, in how we approach life. It goes back a little bit to the stretching thing that we were talking about. Mm -hmm. We're outthinking ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, when you just let nature to the course of nature... That's perfectly fine. We don't have to outthink it. In fact, outthinking it is the thing that's holding us back at some level. It got us to where we are now, but it's time to release some of the grip of that overly critical, overly thought. We shouldn't reject thinking. Thinking mm -hmm. is amazing, but we can also give over to conscious flow states. Perfect note to end on. Mm-hmm. Thank you and so much for having me on the show. Thank you so Can't much. Can't wait for the next one. Yeah, me too. Me too. Continue on with these questions. So, Dr. Steve, you've shared so much with us, and now I want to invite you to share with our audience um, how they can get in touch with you and a cause that's important to you. Mm -hmm. Great. Thank you. And these are a little bit one and the same, but what I would share with your audience is that you can experience what we've been talking about. You can experience 
higher states of consciousness. You can experience synchronicity and flow. You can experience getting past fight or flight. You can do it. Just you got to know that this is your birthright. There is a higher brain in you. It's dormant and it can be woken up. And so what I recommend to your audience members is to go to higherbrainliving.com. Check out the website, check out the science, but more importantly, go to the section where it says experience higher brain living, where you can either learn to get trained to do this, or you can find a facilitator. Now, for those of you that are in the New York City metropolitan area, you can find me also on that website, Dr. Stephen Giron, G-I-R-O-N, and you can just look me up, but you can find every other facilitator that we have in the world on that same website, and I recommend that you do it. Find it. Usually the, the facilitator will have like a very low-priced introductory pair of sessions where you can just experience it for yourself, find out that this is real, even as strange or as weird as it might seem or feel. Um, the other thing that I would leave your audience members with, if you do think this is weird, is that any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. And that's a quote from Arthur C. Clarke. If you just take your cell phone and go back in time and show it to your great, great grandparents, they would think that that was a magical device. Any sufficiently technology is indistinguishable from magic. And this does appear weird. I totally get it. And it's a very advanced technology. And that's why it looks so strange. Strange, but good. Strange, but good. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Steve, for being on our show. My pleasure. And thank you to the listeners for going on this journey with us uh, from everything from quantum physics to consciousness. And uh, I hope you'll join us again for the next episode. Until then, be on the lookout for all possibilities. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at All Possible Show. Episodes are available on iTunes, Google Play, and our website, allpossibilitiesshow.com. This show is produced by Mouth Media Network, copyright 2017, all rights reserved. No portion of the show may be distributed or published without the expressed written permission of the producers. Thank you for joining us. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.